0: Test, 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 one, two, one, two, test, one, two, one, two. This is Uncle Hokage, your Taku uncle. Thank you for listening to Uncle Hokage's anime podcast, and this is episode 18. I'm going to start trying to say the episode numbers. I know I'm going to not do that forever, but for now, to keep things a little bit more succinct, kind of know where we are, we'll go ahead and lead into that. So hope everybody's doing good. I hope you guys are remembering to wake up in anime, to go to sleep in JRPG, to have a lot and as much fun as you possibly can. There is so much that we can kind of get our hands on, that we are kind of fortunate and blessed enough to have access to, that it almost seems silly that we have to spend so much of our lives doing things that we don't really care about for people that, you know, They're pleasant enough, but they don't have our best interests at heart. And I find that when I am just flying, when I'm just soaring, when I am just at my best and I'm just feeling fantastic, it is because I am doing the things that I have been meant to do. So I'm going to start pushing through and putting in a lot more in these podcasts, as many as possible, as much as possible, because after tests, after trying and sampling all kinds of things, I think that the podcast kind of suits me best. So I'm Uncle Hokage, your otaku uncle. Hope you guys have been following me on my other social media platforms up on YouTube. That's the one where I think we're going to have some cool stuff coming soon. Uh, today, I'm going to talk about extensively... The JRPG, the Western, almost Western RPG, Dragon's Dogma. It is a, what I would consider to be now a classic of the genre. It came out on the PS3 and the Xbox 360 originally. It was then later re-released on... Steam, merging the original game and the DLC, Dark Arisen, as Dragon's Dogma Dark Arisen. And now, I believe it has come out on the Switch. So, you can play it on your PS4 with updated graphics. You can play it on your Nintendo Switch. Take it with you to go, like you do Skyrim. You can play it on your PC on Steam. I did that for a while. But, I recently have done my replay. And I am, oh... I don't know, just getting past the beginning stages of the replay. My character is uh, fully decked out in a full armor set now. I'm about level 30, so... Uh, Just getting over that beginning hump and starting to explore again. It's one of my favorite games. So before we get into the full talk of uh, Dragon's Dogma, I really wanted to talk a little bit about whatever it is I'm watching right now, just because it's really on my mind. And that's kind of what I was watching kind of before I got onto the podcast here. Um, I'm watching One Piece right now. One Piece is a very weird show in that it's one of the greatest shows of all time. If you are an anime fan, it is um, one of the staples. I recommend it to everybody. Everybody doesn't like it for a lot of reasons. They don't like the character art, usually as people's first inclination, because it's so odd. It's so unique. The characters are very skinny. Their heads are small. Their breasts are large. Their eyes are big. And not in the anime way, in the extreme way. If you see a lot of the women on One Piece, they're crazy skinny with giant basketballs or giant like uh, globes on their uh, stick bodies. It's almost kind of uh, absurd. But... The reason why myself and so many people have watched One Piece for years is the characterization, the the storytelling, the, the depth of emotional context, and just the, the sense of wonder and adventure that kind of happens in this world. So this isn't to be a, a podcast on One Piece. I have um, a little bit of a curiosity and a little bit of a... A little bit of a hang-up with the show right now. And it involves the pacing. So I'm going to see if I can speak to the pacing without spoiling anything. If you're up to date, you'll kind of know what I'm talking about. I'm not even going to mention the part of the story that I'm on because I am not. I wasn't watching the most recent stuff, but I was watching kind of some of the more, more recent arcs. The problem that I feel like this show has is that they're being very greedy with how they're delivering the content the content to the viewer. Each episode starts off with a theme song, cool. Uh, theme song is about a minute and a half. Then you have your um, world recap, where in the beginning it was Gold Roger. Many years ago, he went and found one piece, and then he told the world, uh, my treasure is out there. If you can find it, go seek it out. And then it launched The Great Pirate Age and that was another minute or so, Um, but lately they've added a new recap so now it's about three, three or so minutes uh, of chunk before the story starts. Not the greatest, but fine. If you have to tell that every single time, cool. But what's bugging me is the recaps, the recaps, the recaps, the recaps. Clip shows, showing old episodes, old information. I almost wish that they would just do a filler story. It kind of drives me nuts because I find myself skipping through a lot of the episode as opposed to watching it. Um, I think a lot of the stuff in the episode takes too long. I think a lot of the fights are now taking too long. The fights are, t- are getting like a little bit too big. Um, so it's frustrating as a massive One Piece fan. One Piece was uh, one of my favorite anime of all time. It's still in my top five just because of how well done it is. The characterization, the emotional context, I've already stated. The music, though, it has some of the best music of any anime of all time. They actually paid some serious attention to that orchestral score that most other shonen jump shows just don't have, they can't compete with. I don't know whose decision that was, but more power to them because that is one of the most impressive things that I've ever seen. I just remember getting that thrill and that excitement when they go to certain places and certain locations in the show. Um, So I love One Piece for a lot of reasons, but I'm indifferent to the fact of how it's being presented. And I feel like they're stretching it as long as possible. And if it's gonna be another 10 years before we even find out what One Piece is, I'm worried that I'm not going to have the attention span to keep watching it. I mean, it's like what happened with Bleach. I pulled out, waited till it got further ahead, and then jumped back in. Sometimes the shows are too long, and I know that that's like a staple of a lot of the anime, and with Dragon Ball Z, the problem was that they were making the fights way too long. The fights would be incredibly drawn out. You would have... um, Goku and uh, Kurilin charging up for several days, you'd have these uh, long, long, just like 10-15 minute uh, inter- intersections of just them yelling with the lightning coming out their bodies and stuff like that forever. I hope that One Piece gets a bit more seamless. Uh, it's just at this moment, it's uh, I find it to be a little bit frustrating. Uh, that being said, That happens to be what I'm watching just because I don't know what I'm gonna watch next. I think I'm supposed to watch Mob Psycho 100. I'm just not in that mood right now. And also how to pick up girls in the dungeon. Everyone says it's great. Uh, I'm gonna have to get on that. I've only watched the first episode. The protagonist is very soft. So we'll see if that's gonna be something that kind of like uh, attracts me. But um, that being said, Uh, Thank you for uh, riding with me in that one piece perusal, Uh, just my ideas and my thoughts about that particular show, but I want to get kind of back to Dragon's Dogma, because that's why we're here today. So, um, I will say, if you don't want to be spoiled on Dragon's Dogma after seven years, then you know, you can go to the next episode, but... I think that uh, if you just like the game or you like RPGs in general, if you like Dark Souls, if you like Skyrim, I'm going to give you a lot more reasons to like this game as well. Uh, And I've got my notes up. I'm a little bit more prepared. I have all my names because I'm notoriously not the best with names, so I have to work at it. So I have my wiki pages pulled up, the names of the cities, and we'll mispronounce them together. Uh, so let's jump right into the full, my full perspective on Dragon's Dogma and why I get lost in it, why I keep coming back to it, and why I feel like this is one of the greatest RPGs of all time. Ah. Uh. And if you hear clink, 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 I have a glass of... This is a watermelon vodka. Um, it's interesting. Anyway, Dragon's Dogma is an amazing game. in Not just in how good it is and how good it does things, but in how flawed and frustrating it is. I played... Dragon's Dogma for the first time, just... I want to say I just picked it up for the uh, Xbox 360. And needed something to play. And I had heard tale of a couple of games. One of them is The Witcher 2. And... I'm not sure what else. I think that I had played Skyrim a lot. Skyrim is one of my favorite games of all time. And I had... Gotten to the point where I needed, I needed that kind of electricity and that charge again, but I couldn't go into the world of Skyrim again. I needed something different. I needed a new realm. So I don't know if it was recommended to me or maybe I saw a review of it or something. But I ended up picking it up at um, where did I buy it? Because I I, I I think I bought myself a copy. No, I rented a copy first from movie trading company. So I rented a copy of Dragon's Dogma, put it in, uh, and then you, you go through the beginning of the game. What's cool about the game is in the beginning, it knows how to bring you in. Um, When you start the game, you start as a fighter, sword and shield, and you have to go through this little tutorial area, fight your way past the beginning stage monsters and uh, a chimera. And it's cool for a lot of reasons, because what it does is it introduces you to this game's strength, which is its combat system, Dragon's Dogma has the best, and I do say the best, action combat of any RPG that I've ever played, Um, and that's up through Dark Souls and uh, some of the others. I never played Dark Souls 2 or 3, so if they improved on the combat, that's fine. Dark Souls has great combat too, but it's too unforgiving for players like me. And here's what I'm going to mean here's what I'm going to here's what I mean by that. With games like Dark Souls, right? Players play Dark Souls because it's unforgiving. So if you're a player who likes extremely punishing titles, who likes when things are tedious and repetitive, then Dark Souls is going to be very attractive to you. If you're an, a player like myself who likes exploration and adventure, More so than repeating the same areas and locations again and again, then Dark Souls is going to bore you. Because that's what it did for me. I like the combat. But I couldn't go anywhere because I had to really go slow and take my time. It was taking a long time to get ramped up and level up. And whether you, you know, thumbs up or thumbs down or whatever, it doesn't, it's boring to me. I wanted to wander. I wanted to see things. I wanted to see new locations. I wanted to find treasures. And that game is designed to impede progress for the sake of an internal struggle story which is very different than Dragon's Dogma, which almost invites you to wander in a, in, a, in a weird way. To wander and get lost and hope that you can make it. Dragon's Dogma kind of lets you just go. And I think that's one of the reasons why I was so attracted to the game. So after the tutorial and the character creation, that's another thing too. I like third-person games more than first-person. I don't like first-person at all, at all, at all. It, I don't like it. It feels less immersive to me because the perspective of the character is never matching my own. And I want to see my character move about the world. I love the uh, illustrative qualities of a lot of games like uh, Street Fighter, Street Fighter 2, JRPGs, uh, things like that. I played Skyrim in third person the entire time. That was why I was able to play it. I never fully got into Oblivion. So with uh, Dragon's Dogma, you have this full character creation, and you create every aspect of your character. I mean, it's... Very in depth for uh, what it is. Now, it's not, you don't get these amazing, beautiful characters like you do in Black Desert. Uh, that's a game that I, I want to play just for the character creation. That's going to be a lot of fun for me. Like, if you have any type of creative bone in your body, you enjoy the character creation process. I remember playing Tony Hawk Underground. Um, And that's my favorite Tony Hawk game because it has a story and character creation and exploration. It's basically an adventure title disguised as a skateboarding title. And the tricks are your spells and your board is your sword. And when I was playing it, uh, I brought my memory card to, I think that's how it works, I brought my memory card to my buddy's house so that we could skate together and compete. And when I plugged it in, I had a fully uh, designed character with a giant afro and shades and like all this stuff. And he had the default character because he didn't care anything for character design. He didn't care. So first person, right up his alley. He loves it. For me... If I'm going to do character design in Skyrim, why wouldn't I want to see my character the entire time? So things like that. And that's one of the things that I like about Dragon's Dogma is how customizable it is. You can customize your character's voice. You can customize your character's stance. You can customize their height, their weight, their way that you... um, No, I, I don't want to get into the pawn stuff just yet. So... The fact that it had so many aspects that I enjoyed, where I felt like I had full ownership and control of everything that was occurring in the title, just elevated it on a consistent basis for myself as a gamer. Uh, I think Dragon's Dogma is one of the most fun titles for that reason, and for um, the The combat, the combat is incredibly compelling because it's so satisfying. It was created by the creator of Devil May Cry. And for those of you who play the Devil May Cry games, I did not, I I think I rented one once. The combat is one of the things that people love about them. Very action oriented, very satisfying. Um, The things that are happening on screen are very reactive to the button presses. So. Because of that, the combat in this game is so responsive. uh, During my replay, this is like my sixth or seventh time kind of really digging into a character. Um, The last character I played was a sorcerer, and I played him for a decent amount. But I wanted to, to play it as I enjoy playing the game. I love fighters. I love sword and shield combat. And one of the things that I enjoy the most is I see all these visions from different anime and from different um, manga where the main character or one of the, not the main character, any character who has a, a shield is attacked by a dragon, right? He has a shield. The dragon pulls his neck back opens its jaw, and then unleashes just fire, just breathing fire. And the character crouches behind his shield. The fire hits the shield and splinters around him. And then the character is safe because he was holding up his shield. And he inches his way forward and then gets in close and stabs at the dragon and fights him. That's why I'm here. The fact that this is the first game where I felt like I can actually do that. When you use a shield in Dragon's Dogma, you are using the shield. When someone throws a rock, if you press the shield button, the left bumper button, the, rock, you'll, the character will raise his shield up, the rock will bang off if you do it in time. Um, if you let go, the character will attack you. And that seems minor, but it's very precise. In Skyrim, that type of precision is not there. The the, the, the combat in Dragon's Dogma is tenfold what it is in Skyrim. Skyrim is just slash, back up, slash, back up. Like you're moonwalking and you're swinging your sword, flailing it about, hoping that you can take him out. And you do eventually, but... And it has those nice little cutscenes when you stab a wolf or you stab a bandit or whatever. But in Dragon's Dogma, I felt like I had full control over the combat. And it's really one of the best combat systems that I've ever played, probably the best. Um, so, yeah, so for somebody who needs or who likes having a combat system that they enjoy, it's another plus sign. In a Dragon's Dogma category for me to enjoy. So if you're keeping tabs, that's character customization, that's great combat. And then the third bit is exploration. In Dragon's Dogma, you can wander. One of the reasons I don't play as many MMOs, even though I'm about to play WoW Classic with one of my buddies, is MMOs are notorious for inhibiting exploration. Now I understand that the whole point of those games is that they are about the grind. The grind is their bread and butter. That means repeating the same stages over and over again for XP to loot farm, stuff like that. But I always want to know what's over that mountain. What's beneath that cave? What's under the sea? Can I actually take a pirate ship out to that location? And on and on and on. That's what I'm interested in. But in most MMO titles, you're very restricted to certain locations based on your level. And that's just the way it is. So... This game, it definitely has sections that are for higher level players. It certainly does. You don't want to wander too far. But you can wander quite a bit. And you can protect yourself quite a bit. If you are prepared enough, you can explore as much as you want. And I think that's why I'm so immediately invested in this game the second I started playing it. I just remember just going and running and it felt so fluid and the music was so light and free and freeing. And uh, the actual groups of enemies, I really felt like I was using my shield, wandering, setting them up, moving back, uh, letting them clank against me while my companions uh, hit them with fire blasts from the back, and everything was moving very much in sync. And then I wandered too far and I got killed. (laughs) Um, One of the cooler things too about the adventure is that it actually, the difficulty kind of increases at night, realistically. Not like the mobs get tougher or they have more XP. They arrange themselves differently. Where there once would be like two or three in certain sections, now you have a whole host of bandits waiting by a campfire. Um, They might have multiple sorcerers where there were none. Certain creatures might uh, come out more in the dark that you wouldn't normally see during the daytime. You would see giant trolls that would now be carrying flaming clubs as opposed to regular ones. Certain monsters don't come out during the day. I'm talking zombies. I'm talking skeletons coming out of the ground as you wander into their territory at night. And when it's night, it's night. You can't see. The game gives you a lantern, and it's your job to make sure that when it runs out of oil, you have to fill it. Because if you don't have any oil, you can't see. You can give lanterns to your party members, and if they don't have any oil and you don't have any oil, you can't see, and the enemies are still going to come around. They will attack you. They can see just fine. You can't. Some of the times where I've wandered about aimlessly. No, let me tell you about my first playthrough. The first time I played the game, I was just going, going, going. Because I knew that, all right, I got the combat down. I'm feeling pretty good. Let's go to this next area. Oh, cool, it's nighttime. And I'm wandering just past the first encampment. Well, just past the first encampment, there's a little cove of bandits, which I believe the designers put there as one of the first tests of the series for those of us who were just, you know, walking around all willy-nilly. You see the subtitle text at the bottom of your screen, and it just says, kill them all. That's what bandits say when you enter their territory. And so I see one of the bandits kind of amble forward, and he has a great sword. And then I get shot with an arrow. And then I start attacking, but because the warrior class can't, it is harder to stun, he just cut through my attack. Next thing you know, next thing you know, my uh, screen is going red because I've taken too much damage. So now my screen is red. My energy is low. Uh, I have two or three more bandits now creeping into my field of vision that I couldn't see. They were hidden behind. They're getting healed because they have a sorcerer hidden in the back that I can't see. I'm out of lantern oil. My character is on the brink of death. My pawn is dead. My pawn is dead. And my companion is dead too. And then I died. I died. There was no comeback. There was no, and then I used this great healing spell. No, I got killed. I got my butt whipped, and that was that. And I have to say, that opened my eyes. Because you have to remember, when you play a lot of RPGs, Sometimes you're expecting the unexpected death, but not quite in that way. That death felt really like it was my fault. Not like, oh, there's a random super strong enemy in a weird place. Oh, there's a random um, uh, whatever glitch or I want... like No, I felt like I wasn't really prepared for what actually the game mechanics and the systems were. The game has a very specific system of rules that it follows. And you have to be aware. And the game is always better when you experience those rules firsthand as opposed to being told about them. Because it's nothing like that memory of wandering down a pathway when you were feeling you know, good or you were feeling like full of yourself and you're like, man, I got this. I can do this. That's what happened with me. And that's happened many times. I've been too ambitious and I've wandered up into the high cliffs. Harpies have grabbed my character and dragged him off and dropped him over a cliff. I have recently... When I know what's going on, I dashed into the center of a bunch of striped Sorens and they surrounded me, about seven of them. They were all invisible and they just took turns stabbing me as I tried to stand up. And, you know, they took off most of my health. Now, if I hadn't have been prepared, I would have died, but they took. Their turns. They handled me. They operated like real enemies. They surrounded my character's body and kept stabbing, stabbing. And that bit of caution is paramount. So it makes you think. Okay, uh, I don't know what time it is, but I think it's sun's about to set. I got to get somewhere where I can rest. Maybe I can get to a city. Maybe I can get inside a shed. Maybe I can stand on a tall cliff where nothing's really going to. Um, Try to stop and impede me. Maybe uh, I should take some extra curatives uh, with me just in case because you never know. Oh, I got to make sure that I have enough stamina because you never know. Stamina regions, I mean. But that's what I'm saying. There is adventure, but there's a system to it. You don't just own the world. You respect the world and you operate as is expected from somebody who becomes an actual learned adventurer. So, that's another thing. The adventure is in this game. It's worth it. I feel like when I successfully conquer certain locations that I actually have earned my place as the game says, as the Arisen. I can't really ask for much more when it comes to exploration because every time you could potentially test yourself. And this is where I think a lot of the um, conflict comes between me and Dark Souls players. And here's here's what I think. So a Dark Souls player will say something like, well, see, you like a challenge. You like it when it's difficult. That's not quite what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, Dark Souls makes things difficult consistently where the game becomes now more about memorization of watch your step, of let me be overly cautious, let me slow down. It doesn't really inspire the adventure that I want. This game, Dragon's Dogma, has moments of potential challenge. Those little bits of challenging moments that make you question how you play the game, I enjoy way more than a game that makes me question why am I playing it at all? Um, It's really hard to articulate, but you probably get what I'm saying. Um, The other aspect of the game which is really cool is the pawn system. If you're a player like me, your ideal game is actually to not only have your full party, but to design your entire party. Um, Dragon's Dogma takes me there 50% of the way. In Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, you can kind of control your party members, the weaponry they have, how they upgrade, things like that. But you can't really do any character customization. And I understand why. Um, If you do too much character customization, it's too many things for the developers to have to program. And I think that's why this game is so impressive to me. It's the fact that they programmed it to where you have two customizable characters. The pawn has a few limitations, but for the most part, the pawn system is pretty satisfying. And let me give, here's what the pawn system basically is. You have one NPC player companion character. It's a character who in the lore of the story, there are groups of these faux humans called pawns, which are devout and follow the Arisen in all aspects. They fight for him, they explore with him, they're there to help and serve the Arisen, which is just a very interesting way for them to say, We have some NPC characters that are going to act like NPC characters. That means you're going to be more accepting of them when they do stupid stuff. When they wander into things when they're constantly shouting. Uh, and that's another thing. They give warnings about enemies, and they'll say the same warnings over and over and over again. Uh, if you come across a group of goblins, they're like, look out, a
1: goblin! They ill like fire!
0: You're like, okay, I get it. Goblins ill like fire. Thank you. But they say it every time, and there's a lot of goblins in this game. Um, So in addition to your main pawn, the one that you customize, the game then allows you to rent pawns that other people have created. So it's a weird multiplayer aspect to it without being multiplayer. So what you can do is you can rent pawns from other players, by going into this location called the Rift, you say, "Okay, I'm level 21. I want to rent a level 23 pawn, uh, and somebody else's character will be in the system. It'll go, okay. Boop, 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 boop. Here is your. What do you want? Do you want a sorcerer? Do you want a mage that can heal you? Do you want a uh, a strider who will stab with with knives?" Um, And then you just select the ones you want, and then they go on adventure with you. And that's how you get your party of four. So you can put together basically any party structure that you want. Um, The pawn system is a fun way to have this semi-interactive, non-interactive style game. And I think that that is one of the coolest aspects of... uh, Dragon's Dogma is just how it finds a way to bring people together without the need of people being around. And I think, too, for those of us who prefer single-player games, this is a great way to kind of get a little bit of multiplayer without the full requirements of having to play with other people. Because if you become uh, somebody who just wants to move at their own or if you love JRPGs or what have you, you don't wanna have to wait. You wanna just jump in when you jump in and go. So that aspect of it I, I greatly enjoy. Um, so let's see. I think I covered most of just the main aspects of the game. Uh, I should talk about some of its flaws before I can kinda get into my emotional content and why I love the game so much and why the game frustrates me so much and why I keep coming back, keep coming back, keep coming back. So the game does have quite a lot of flaws and I think the main one is it doesn't have fast travel. As the game progresses, you get the ability to uh, fast travel back to the main city of Grand Soren. Grand Soren is the capital in the game It's the city where it is the centerpiece of everything. Cool as I get further on I would love I love the fact that I can transport back to Grand Soren if I get stuck and you get a fairy stone to do that, or you have to buy fairy stones to do that now in the original game, there was so little fast travel that You really, really, really had to mean it when you went back. And I think that the creators were trying to make it so that you really had to explore the game. And you really, if you were going to go somewhere, you really had to face the consequences of travel. That can be very punishing if you're just trying to finish a quest. So if you go all the way out to one end of the world to do this quest and you complete it, and you've dominated everything and you are carrying a bunch of stuff and you're at your, your wits end and you just need to make it back to town safely, well, good luck. Because you have to walk all the way back. And this map, this game map is huge. So the world will cycle day and night a couple of times before you make it back somewhere safe in a lot of incident instances. So that means... As we stated earlier, when it's super dangerous from all of the nighttime dangers, when the difficulty ramps and spikes, you might be attacked in the middle of the dark by a chimera. You might be attacked in the middle of the dark by specters who are coming to steal your soul. And if you don't know your way around because you're going to some new quest area, well, the game does not care. Tough, it says. There is a dragon in one of the groves in the game. And my first time when I walked into that grove and I was like, what is that? And there was this massive dragon and I tried to fight it. No, 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 I was not strong enough. The dragon dominated my entire crew. This is what I'm saying. If you're not careful, you're not gonna make it back. And I think later on, the game gives you one port crystal, which you can place anywhere in the world. So you can port to that port crystal and then back to Grand Soren. So you have two fast travel locations, but that's it. In the Dark Arisen upgrade, the newer version, which everyone has, you automatically have an internal fairy stone in your, um, in your storage a storage locker or whatever it's called, your item storage in Grand Soren. Once you get there, you go to your item storage, you pull out your Eternal Fairy Stone, boom. Now, no matter what, you can go back to Grand Soren whenever you want. In the original game, you have to buy the Fairy Stones for about 20k um, a piece, which is a maybe more than that, but it's a lot. It's really a lot. The creators really want you to have to try to explore in this title to want you to really feel the weight of the world as you travel. And I think that's kind of a problem because while some of that is good, that can be very frustrating for people who have already been through the same locations tons and tons of times again. So then having to make them kill time as they're just trying to get back to a place they've been to 20, 30, 40 times before, it just seems a little bit of a... um, A little bit... Uh, lazy or a little bit of an easy fix and a surprise that they didn't even think of that. That's one of those things where it makes me feel like they were just kind of in a little bit too insular in their design creation where if they had had one or two people actually test the title who are outside of the structure of the system, they would have gotten that feedback. Now they obviously got that feedback and took it to heart because in the newer versions, Dark Arisen and so forth, you get that eternal fairy stone, but the fast travel system could be much, much better. In addition to that, um, pawns are really noisy, they do too much talking, and there's not a lot of that depth that I would want from the character dialogue and discussion. When I think about Dragon Age Origins, that was a, a phenomenal RPG that I played on the PC a long time ago, great game. That game was made by BioWare. And that game has been adjusted and kind of shifted and changed as they've made different sequels to it. But in the beginning, the dialogue, the character story, all of that stuff was its strengths. That's what BioWare does. They tell great stories and they make you really get invested in the characters and their growth and their abilities and so on. So... When, the, when you were walking down the alleyways of some new town, the characters whom are following you would start to spark up their own conversations with each other. So they would, Morgan and, um, I think his name was uh, Elaine, they would start arguing about the value of the common man or about being kind or whatever. And it, they felt, more real and I think that maybe they just ran out of processing power and processing ability but the pawns have none of that. The pawns really do feel like pawns and they give them that lore I think so that they wouldn't have to spend the time and energy to really flesh them out and part of it too is because if you are getting pawns from other players you kind of want them to be a little bit interchangeable but not too interchangeable because then you lose a little bit of the personal touch that the game could possess. So I'm I'm, a little bit thinking that this is kind of, has a couple of good points, but they could be way more fleshed out and way more, uh, way less, I should say, um, simple-minded when it comes to giving information because they shout out that there's harpies, they shout out that there's goblins all the time, especially when they're in plain view. And the times when I need them is when I can't see the goblins and they're like, goblins arisen. And I look around, look around, I'm like, oh, there is one. Awesome. But if we're walking on a completely empty field and there's a horde of like 12 goblins just wandering about, picking their noses, and then they're like, arisen goblins. Okay, cool, thanks. Um, And then beyond that, there's only one save feature. I don't get that at all. There's one save feature, and it auto-saves. So if you do something you don't like, oops, it saved it over. If you want to save another... Another version of the game or do like different playthroughs? Well, you have to play on a different Xbox character profile. I don't know how it works on PlayStation 3. Did I mention that I'm actually playing my replay on the Xbox 360 version? That's where I'm playing it. I just uh, did a bunch of farming when it came to um, uh, cash and I got the full Griffith armor set. So I'm not going to change armor for quite a while. I'm just going to enjoy it. I'm going to enhance it as much as possible, wander about, and just kind of enjoy my game. Um, Though I was a little bit frustrated seeing some wandering pawn wearing the same Griffith helmet earlier today. I was like, that takes away a lot of the specialness of the fact that I thought this was a unique thing. But I guess not. I guess if you keep buying it, he keeps getting more and more sets of that so you could actually have, you and your pawn could both be Griffith or you could have multiple armor sets of Griffith with different statistics and then you could just kind of gift them out to other pawns from other players. So it's a very, it's a very interesting um, uh, notion. The fact that I kind of knew what I wanted to do going forward, replaying the game, but it's still, I was just like, come on, man, I wanted like my Griffith playthrough to be like special, you know what I mean? But that's only like, okay, so for those of you who don't know, there is an anime called Berserk, and uh, it's an anime, it's a manga, it's one of the greatest fantasy, dark fantasy stories ever told. When I say dark fantasy, I would say Berserk, actually is dark fantasy. Not that it's dark and that people are, you know, get stabbed and killed and stuff. I mean actually dark. The concepts are very dark. So the light moments are very bright by contrast, but a lot of terrible, dark, uh, awful things happen to the characters and they have to really improve in a lot of ways in order just to basically survive. So because the creators of Dragon's Dogma are fans of the Berserk franchise. There's a lot of nods to that title throughout the game, including, up to and including, there's a full Guts armor set and a full Griffith armor set that you can purchase in the game. Uh, Really awesome. In addition to that, some of the weaponry is identical to the weaponry from the Berserk manga. Harpies in the game look just like the harpies in the Berserk manga, especially in the later chapters. There's a witch in the forest, just like in the Berserk manga, uh, with a giant treehouse built out of a massive tree. Uh, I could go on and on. But... Rumor has it that the original Dragon's Dogma conception was slated to be a berserk title. And I can totally see that, especially when you have the bandits, uh, not bandits, when you have the night travel, when the the danger's in the dark, how the game gives you warnings, saying, hey, if you are unprepared and you wander out at night, you might die. That might be the end for you. But that is not the case with this manga. It is with this game, I should say. This game has a, ends up being its own thing because uh, of licensing rights. When in the Dark Arisen uh, new versions, the one on the Steam, the one that is on the Nintendo Switch, they don't have the Berserk armor sets. The reason for that is they didn't have the licensing rights to that content, so they had to take them out. And when I first played the game for a second time, I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to get full guts armor, and I'm just going to be a warrior for a while just to see what it's like. And I go to that cave, and nothing. I'm like, where is it? Where's my armor set? What's going on? And then I looked up online, and they said in the new version, there is no Berserk armor sets. Well, isn't that great? That kind of um, is the only detriment to the new version. The new version is better in every way. But if you're a Berserk fan, me right now, I'm playing my replay on the 360, which means it's loud as hell. The, the system, I mean. The system is loud as hell when it's turned on. The walking around in full Griffith armor, head, headgear, the white falcon, the long cape, I love it. I love every aspect of it. And that's because Berserk is just one of those manga that everybody should read regardless. it's it just does so many things right that you should at least read the golden era just to see how to tell a story or how a story should actually be appropriately told. So that's one of the things that I love about this title, the whole like nod to Berserk. And I love when I love when creators do that. I love when they actually puts a little bit of who they are in their works because everybody does that. The creator of, uh, in the movie Looper, he talks about how he's a big fan of Akira, the the Japanese anime uh, and manga. And a lot of the scenes with the little boy with those psychic powers, he says are straight lifts, from the Akira anime. Like the shots are one-to-one replications because he just loves how that anime uh, is. Uh, Rian Johnson. Um, Very cool. I love that. And I know that um, when people are creating, they pull from the resources I.e. the stories that they cared about and they loved growing up. So, I just love seeing this in this particular um, in this particular game. Uh, let me jump over to my let me jump to my notes because there might be some other stuff that I kind of wanted to talk about. Um, okay. All of that being said. I am a little bit more forgiving of the flaws of the game, because of how it makes me feel. This is the game that makes me feel like an adventurer, more than any other title. It really makes me feel like a wandering blade. like. I am in that era and I can actually fight how I would really fight if this were me in real life. That's how I feel. I love the notion of traipsing across the world. Even though I've done it 100,000 times, it's fun. The game mechanics, it fused this uh, game mechanic from Shadow of the Colossus where... In Shadow of the Colossus, you hold the right trigger in order to grip onto the giant colossi, and you can climb up it, and you work the puzzle to get to the top and stab it in its one weak point. That was the brilliance of that game. All boss fights, all the time, no enemies. But with this game, it just took everything that's big, your chimera, your trolls, your ogres... Um, your griffins, anything that you could potentially get on top of, you can. So you can grip, and depending on how much stamina you have, you can hang on as long as you can, and then you can slash it, and it's weak points. Brilliant. No other fantasy title has that amount of depth when it comes to the combat. And there's like little cool things when it comes to the lore. So... I'm trying to think if I should say some of the things, because some of them are like those little bitty spoiler bits. Like there are ways, easy ways to make money in the game that you yourself can figure out if you pay attention. And you can figure it out pretty fast if you pay attention. Meaning that you have the ability to earn a ton of money once you get to Grand Soren. I'll say, which is the main hub city. That is awesome because it has its own little miniature economy that the prices don't really fluctuate, but um, you can use the things inside the game to your advantage. And then you can get those higher stat equipment and you can level up easier when you're better protected. And the, the game rewards you for playing it Like for finding its little secrets, for finding little treasures, for wandering at night when it's more dangerous, it rewards you for being that brave. But it also punishes you until the sun comes up. I just like the dichotomy. I like how in Berserk, there were scenes where he's stranded in this abandoned forest and little trolls are coming at him all night and he has to sit there and fight them off all night or die. And when he wakes up and the dawn breaks and the sun cascades on him and he's covered in troll blood, he staggers forward He staggers forward, far stronger, a better warrior, a more capable fighter, but very respecting of the world around him. And that is basically the sentiment with Dragon's Dogma. This is like one of those games where I never expected to be playing it this much. I certainly didn't. Like I've played uh, JRPGs over and over again, a few of them. Final Fantasy VIII I've played a lot of times, but because it doesn't allow you to kind of just wander and explore and create your story as you go, You have to be in the mood for that story. It's like reading a good book again or watching your favorite movie. You have to want to see what's occurring in the story. You have to want to get invested in the story. That's the point of Final Fantasy VIII or any other Final Fantasy title. But with this game, because it's open world to a big extent, you can just be there. Now, why do I like this game better than the other open world games? That's a very good question because it doesn't have much of in the way of a story, if any. The beginning story is the dragon comes, you try to fight him, he, he stops you, plucks out your heart and eats it. And now you don't have a heart. But you're still alive, and now, but you're the you're the arisen. So you are basically training so that you can take out the dragons that are off in the distance. And you just have to get stronger and stronger. So you build your way up, and you fight goblins, and you fight the one dragon in the forest, and then you fight the trolls, and you fight the chimera, and eventually you can fight cockatrices and the golems and and um, the griffins. Oh my God, and fighting griffins are a pain because they will fly away. Sometimes they will fly down, you fight them, and even if you grab on top and hang on, it costs stamina to stay on that griffin. And if you run out of stamina and you're in the middle of the sky, well, you're gonna fall to your death. So I hope you have enough steak so that you can keep feeding your character's stamina so that you don't fall away and die and then lose all of that long time trying to take out this monster. Griffins are tough, but they are tough in a way that I believe. They're not just arbitrarily like have tougher hide that I can't hit. They just are harder to kill. They're wily. They move in patterns that are realistically difficult to stop as somebody who is on the ground with a sword and shield. Um, and 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 that's what's so cool, too, is the vocations. The vocations are so flexible. It's just so funny. Like, I'm actually getting... I feel like I'm just over here doing a spot for Dragon's Dogma on, like, the next greatest PS, PS4 title, Dragon's Dogma. Like, I feel like that's what I'm doing. But really the more I talk about it, the more it makes me want to go back, turn on my system and play. Like I have it off right now. I'm doing some of those wandering quests because I took some time to, um, during my replay, to get myself a good armor set and to get myself prepared uh, with enough curatives and stuff. So now I'm just going to wander the world, uh, open up the entire map, find treasure here and there, explore, get into, get into fights, get into trouble, uh, try to fight it out at night, run from Chimera and stuff, have a good time. That's what I'm basically going to be doing next. But before I did that, I wanted to get built up. So I was just farming money, I was farming curatives, and getting a good armor set. And, um, and what was I talking about? I was talking about vocations. See, y'all distracted me. The vocations in Dragon's Dogma are another one of the reasons why this is one of the coolest games ever. And probably why the developers felt they didn't need to give us multiple save files. So you can change your main character's vocation anytime you want. It costs you a little bit of your skill points to change vocation, but once you purchase the vocation, you can switch back and forth for free whenever you want. Um, There's the fighter, which is sword and shield. And then there's warrior, which is heavy, two-handed, great-handed swords. Two-handed great swords, which are the big, giant swords, like the one that Guts uses in Berserk. Um, There is the ranger, which uses a longbow. And then there's the strider, which uses daggers and a shortbow. There is the magic archer, which uses... As you would guess, like different magic type arrows out of a special bow, which is very similar to the bow that the uh, wild archer use in Berserk, the one that's like half centaur, half beast, or whatever whatever creature that guy is. Um, then there's also the. Hold on, what's that other voc- vocation? I think it's called the magic knight. Let me make sure. Yeah, the, magi- the Mystic Knight. Mystic Knight uses different types of uh, large shields that are the size of walls and other types of uh, one-handed weapons like, like hammers, I think some swords, but like cudgels and stuff like that. Then you can also be an assassin, which is a more agile, flexible fighter that does a lot more damage output, has more stamina, can can climb things a lot better, but doesn't have a shield. So that's just another way to kind of play the game. So what you can do is you can max out a vocation. Awesome. And then if you get bored, all right, you know what? I think I'm going to switch vocations. I'm going to now be an assassin for a while. So you have to get all assassin gear, you have to get daggers, and then you have to build up that vocation. And so now you can be an assassin and a, 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 a fighter, which I wish they would just call a knight because that's really how I envision it. Um, in addition in addition to that, you can be... Uh, am I missing anything? Oh yeah, a sorcerer or a mage. Your mage does a lot of debilitating stats and it can heal. Your sorcerer is the main one that does the extreme damage output. So that all of that, all of that is, it's just love, man. Like you can flip it back and forth. And what's cool is that your pawns can change their vocations too. They can be multiple vocations. Listen to what I'm saying. Your pawns can change between knight and fighter and um, warrior and archer and strider and you can make any type of combination that you want. Now, certain hybrid classes like the Mystic Knight and the and the Magic Archer are only ab- available to the main character. Your pawn can't be those. And I think Assassin too, but the other ones, your pawn can be it. So the flexibility of the game, I love, and that's what I'm all about. Give me more choices that I know what to do with. Give me more things that I know how to handle, and I'm, I'm happy, I'm content, I'm rolling around, I'm excited, I'm having a great time. So, I think just kind of how this, what this game gives to me, what this game has given me over the years, um, just gets me excited every time I think about it. Uh, in addition to that, last thing I wanted to kind of get into is the fact that there are hints that A Dragon's Dogma 2 is coming, and that, really excites me. I want them to take the structure of this amazing game and correct the little difficulties that they had and give us something new with modern graphics. Take the the pawn system and improve it. Take the combat system and improve it. Allow us fast travel. Give us more, like a real story and maybe some, some other unique things like some mounts so that I can ride a horse or I can ride a griffin or whatever through the world. Because there's, I don't care about the characters in the game right now. I don't care about the story. Skyrim had a story that I cared about. It's well told in its own way. Dragon's Dogma doesn't really have a story that's good or interesting. It's very generic, basic fantasy stuff that they barely even get into. But what if they took the time? They laid an incredible, amazing foundation and all I want them to do is give me more. Make it better. Improve the system. Bring me back into this world that had never been created before and just give me a sequel. Because I'm buying it day one. Like, I'm your uncle, Hokage, right? I don't have the luxury of just sitting around all day playing games. I don't. So I have to definitely pick and choose my titles better now. I have to make sure that what I'm going to watch and read and see is going to engage me or I got to turn it off. That's just the reality of the situation. So that's why I love this title. Because every time I go back and turn it on, every time I start a new game, every single time, I'm invested, I'm enjoying it, I'm having a great time, and each adventure feels new in a lot of ways, over and over again. Okay. (laughs) Um, I can't really praise this title enough. It has its flaws but it's one of my favorite JRPGs. I highly recommend it if you haven't played it. If you have any of the new consoles, just get it there. They have upgraded graphics so it looks pretty good from what I've seen. And it's just a good time. Great combat, uh, great adventure, great exploration, character customization and let's uh, rent each other's pawns unless you're playing the 360 version you won't be able to rent mine unless i play it on steam but when the new version comes out i will 100 percent get in there and uh, we can do some damage together so i am uncle hokage your otaku uncle uh, thank you for listening to uncle hokage's anime podcast please share the podcast with one other person do me that favor, uh, let's keep this thing going. With my new setup now, I'm feeling a lot more confident, I'm feeling a lot better about the podcast, and I'm going to 130% put it out as much as possible. So, uh, I'm Uncle Hokage, your Otaku uncle, uh, playing Dragon's Dogma, and uh, I guess as a little special, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put up this random song that me and my friend made A long time ago about playing dragon's dogma Uh, i'll make this episode explicit just so we can put i think there's some curse words in the in the song Uh, but we made it a long time ago because he makes music and i i made music and uh, we just had a good time making it so i'm gonna put this at the end of the podcast i haven't uh, really listened to it that much but i hope you guys enjoy Uh, like share subscribe love peace and hair grease
1: dragon's dogma bitch i'm gonna climb you lands i'm gonna roam you plants like marijuana game is hot just like ifrit got me looking just like Griffith's sword and shield when on my mission after dark is not for bitches you know what we do with bad kings they are getting stitches listening to Stitcher tricking woodland witches this is that scottish play ponds will bring you rocks with days i really if i was jay you think i was talking about rocks with day think i was talking about smoking jays ethan features of coals and electron ias indro this boom by yay what more can a swordsman say Six pack of beer I'll slay dragons all the live long day Think that I need more to say Something, something, shit I say Need a few more things, y'all Can I get fast travel? Not trying to beat Captain Marvel But Cap, I'm trying to see it all Upgraded so that I can stand falls Upgraded, chopping chimeras balls Do a favor for innkeeper's halls Excited when I hear the goblin call of a gamer brother with game silver-tongued and dedicated to always spit flames spitting games to little hills then let our spirits lay probably after our spirits drain, she watched me battle spirits in the midnight rattles i need an oxen to carry my stuff ten more minutes babe i'm about to level up Ten more visits. I'm about to find the shovel that Peter needs to trade for the papers of the special that inspires all the rebels. Here they come. Blow the horn. Got to bring the troops when you fight the devil. Beat him like he's simple. And a spelling contest. Catastrophic angels descend just for holy conquest. Fighting is the rapture, magic is the science, dying's a learning curve, get indoctrinated Quick fast, dragon slayer for hire, get indoctrinated by my dogma, my dogma, my dogma Sparrows best beware my vision, this is that chasm, wisdom, long shots then I'm stepping in, Cherokee mixed with elven tutored by the fairy children, the bastard sword for my lord was something I ill afford. I'm shielded, axe wielded, mass appealing, fire in my eyes, white magic is masochism, Deception never works on AI. Do not get me started. These ogres got me Kevin hearted. That was a short joke or a tall one. Ogre's insecure. Doesn't matter, the eye jelly is my treasure. The whole world is at my pleasure. Manifested Katana Blaze, aka brain spreaders. Master Shredder, give me your sensitive papers. I'll smoke them later.